Although open access to scientific data predates the internet, the World Wide Web has revolutionized the ways in which we share information. Data crosses borders in an instant and at little cost. Still, however, we are yet to see the scientific community truly embrace this new digital frontier. Figshare is a company that believes in open data. Users upload content including datasets, research outputs, figures, and video and images. It's free to upload and free to access. Last year, they released a landmark report detailing attitudes to open data around the world. To celebrate this year's Open Access Week, they've released a follow-up report. In this podcast, we hope to discuss the major findings of the report with its contributors and also look to the future in an attempt to predict developments in the world of open data. Briny Fame is a data analyst at Digital Science. Alongside John Treadway, Digital Science's COO, they contributed the article titled Open Data, Sooner or Later, 2017 Survey Findings and Comparisons with 2016. So hi, Briony. What are the major findings from this year's survey on the state of open data? Um, signs that open data is becoming part of the life cycle of research is, is now pretty evident. Our survey is run for two years, and we've seen a growth in researchers sharing their data, a reduction in those who have never made their data openly available for sharing, more awareness of open data across the sector as a whole, and a greater willingness for researchers to share their data. Um, the growth we've seen is likely to be due to a number of factors including data management policies in the form of mandates that funders are now put out and publishers and institutions, which require researchers to share their data. So it's a requirement, so it's a stick rather than a carrot at this point. And the possibility of open data becoming a requirement in research assessment exercises has been mooted. And can you comment on why we're beginning to see trends in the areas that you have mentioned? Um, yeah, well, the growth we've seen is likely to be due to a number of factors, including data management policies in the form of mandates, which require researchers to share their data. Funders will require this, publishers and institutions in many cases. Um, also, the possibility of open data becoming a requirement in research assessment exercises has been mooted, but only mooted. Um, and the fact that citations to data are becoming valuable and important, and for some, as important as citations to research outputs. So these explanations all form a sort of motivation um, for making um, data open. What are the motivations and benefits, uh, in your opinion, for researchers to share their data and to keep it open? Well, we're beginning to move towards getting credit for non-traditional research outputs. Um, which includes research data. Uh, data citations, which I've mentioned already, is just one benefit. Um, also, the idea that researchers get increased impact when they share their data is another motivation for openly sharing and allowing other researchers to build on your work while at the same time showing your work in another form. So obviously there's plenty benefits to, to sharing um, data, but there still seems to be... Um, people who aren't so keen on having all their data openly available. Can you comment on why there's still a lack of confidence in, in this area, perhaps? Well, it's hard to be definitive about this, but um, even though there are signals that open data is embedding across the research sector, there are still many aspects where open data practices are not yet rooted and more education is definitely needed. So, for example, um, and this is something that is evident in our report, when it comes to Creative Commons licensing, which is where an author can give people the right to share, use and build on the work that they've created, 
Um, we've seen that researchers are still very unsure about which license to use and which license they have used to make their data openly available. We can only speculate as to why this is the case. Um, one reason could be that researchers have not made time to understand the different licensing options to apply their data to, or perhaps they assume that somebody else is going to do it for them, their institution. Um, we just don't know. But definitely more education is, is, is a big deal in this area. And one thing that you can definitely see in the report is that attitudes to open data in Asia are changing in a positive direction. Um, why do you think that is the case? Yeah, well, we have seen trends in the positive direction. And, and we know that in Asia, there's a, there's a lot of catch up going on with the, with the rest of the world. However, our data would suggest that it's more Japan than China. And so um, it's not a developing, you know, developing region trend necessarily. Um, and we've seen that there's an uptake in Africa and a downturn in Australasia, but the numbers are small. So we really can't say too much or, you know, it portrays a very complicated story and we can't say too much about it. So, yeah, so we did see a number of interesting findings in, in looking at geographical regions and in particular Asia, as we've mentioned, where there were larger increases since 2016 in aspects of open data, such as awareness and sharing of data sets globally, as well as an increase in numbers of respondents compared to last year. And looking at what motivates researchers to share their data, it seems that in, in Asia, increased impact and visibility is the bigger motivator for Asian researchers, whereas in North America, it was public benefit. So it's, it's a complicated picture that doesn't show any big trends, but, but is incredibly interesting. We might imagine, although it's difficult to make any firm inferences at this juncture as to why this is the case in regard to Asia, we might imagine that an increase in international collaborations might provide some clue, um, but it really is just speculation. So the fact that um, researchers are collaborating, they're sharing their data, so they're more likely to have to share their data because of funder requirements, depending upon where the funding emanates from. Um, so, but. But as I said, drawing conclusions is very difficult. So we've seen some changes over the past year, looking back at um, the State of Open Data report um, that we released last year. During the next year and the next coming years, how do you foresee attitudes to open data changing across the world? Attitudes to open data are changing in a similar way to the attitude change we, we have seen towards open access publications. And I think with the onset of the research assessment exercises um, nationally, and, and more globally in um, New Zealand and Australia, and I think North America, um, requiring that um, research articles are open access in order to be valid for submission to these exercises, um, open access became pretty well embedded as part of the research life cycle. Um, and institutions had to create the infrastructure to support this. If open data moves in the same way as open access, um, then we're likely to um, see attitudes shift in the same direction with um, data becoming an even bigger part of the life cycle of research in the future. So what practices uh, do you think help researchers prepare their data for sharing? So as we know, researchers are time poor. 
So for example, and interestingly, respondents in our survey were more likely to look to the web or ask a colleague for support with open data if they needed to know something or how to do something. Of course, we don't know why this is. It might very well be the ease with which they're able to do a search or speak to a colleague who's close by that makes these options more popular than contacting their library or research office where an immediate response is possibly very unlikely due to demands placed on central offices these days. However, the expertise for um, support comes from the research office and library. So it's interesting that we found that they were much less likely to use these options or to choose those options than they were to look on the web or speak to a colleague. Jean-Claude Bergelman is head of Unit Open Data Policies and Science Cloud at the European Commission in Belgium. This year, we were fortunate enough to have Jean-Claude introduce the State of Open Data Report 2017. Hi, Jean-Claude. Could you talk about some of uh, your responsibilities at the European Commission? Well, I'm uh, the head of unit in charge of uh, open research data policies and, and publishing in uh, DG Research and Innovation, as well as the lead uh, unit on the policy around the European Open Science Cloud. And in the first open data pilot Horizon 2020 carried out, um, what research groups did you target and how did you go about getting people on board? Well, um, in the first data pilot, we singled out uh, a, a, a quite broad amount of, uh, of areas that fall under the Horizon uh, 2020 uh, um, remit, so to speak. And they were quite uh, diverse. So it went from, from social sciences up to astrophysics. So it is a, there were not specific groups singled out. We tried to come up with a, a representative uh, amount of disciplines and research questions that uh, that we could use for constructing the, the pilot. And that all together created the, the research data pilot. And how did you go about getting people on board? Well, we just asked it and we said, OK, are you willing to, to, to present on it? And that is that was actually relatively easy to do. So most of the disciplines uh, via the project officers uh, and most of the, of the areas uh, bought in and they just participated. So it was no problem there. And is it, um, well, have you noticed or is it becoming more mainstream for people funded by Horizon 2020 to make their data open? Well, what we saw is that so the, the, the pilot was actually set up to test to what degree complement, uh, compulsory open access to data would be followed. Of course, we always foresee an opt-out for privacy, for, for, uh, for IPR reasons and so on. And we wanted to test by, via the pilot what is actually the degree of buy-in. Now, and there the figures were extremely encouraging because of we had on average uh, almost 70% uh, of the framework program buying in and 30% opting out. And you mentioned in your, your forward that 2017 Open Research Data Pilot has been extended across the entire Horizon 2020 program and making open data the default in one of the biggest research funding programs in the world. But you also mentioned there is still the option to opt out. Can you talk about the situations where you simply cannot have your data open? No, what we did, what we did now, we said, we said, okay, given the success of the pilot, we make open data default option, so for the whole program. Of course, default is also the opt-out. So any project can opt-out. Uh, if, But of course, you have to substantiate it, you have to motivate it. Uh, if, it, if, it if it is uh, for, for privacy reasons, is it for uh, commercial reasons or whatsoever, 
but the default option is uh, uh, open data and and that's that's where we're going for and can you talk about situations where where you can't um, have your data open yeah of course i mean if if a project in uh, for for health research uh, is uh, putting forward that the the privacy of 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 the the patients is is uh, not guaranteed in the project or should not be disclosed or if it is for defense reasons or if it is for for IPR reasons so it, it, it we can, there is no generic rule uh, you have to substantiate uh, for which category of uh, privacy, IPR, and so on you apply, and then you have to make the case. And in the coming years, what would you like to see happening in the world of open data? Well, you know, if if 70% of the large of one of the largest uh, funding programs in the world is open data, if we if we just extrapolate the success of the pilot, that means 70% of 80 billion. That means that we generate for let's say. Uh, 60 billion of open data research project. That is a huge success in my view. So I would of course like to see it the, 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 uh, get, getting higher, but, but I think we should be realistic. Uh, uh, there has always been a lot of research which was uh, not open for many reasons. Well, actually always the same reasons, privacy uh, and, and, uh, and commercial uh, applications. And uh, that will that will remain the same in the future. But still, if we generate such a, an enormous amount of uh, open data, that is a fantastic boost for open science and open um, and open research. I'm quite happy. If, I would be quite happy personally if we keep the 70%, and a bit more happy if we go uh, higher than that. And you mentioned at the end of your, your, your article that it's been said that data is the new oil, a, a helpful metaphor, but, but it's, of course, wrong. Can you explain why? Well, the, 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 the oil metaphor, if, if I use one liter of oil, I can no longer use that same liter of oil because that oil has been gone. And that is why the oil prices fluctuate, you know. So uh, oil is, is not comparable to data because if, I, if, I, if you use my data, you can, uh, the next person can still use them because the, 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 the data do not go away. So in that sense, it, it's, it's what economists say, it's, it's a public good. Uh, you don't lose the value of it nor the possibility to use it by using it once. So it is rather a public good than it, than it is uh, comparable to oil. And secondly, uh, oil is, if you want, in a certain sense, the, 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 the essence of an engine, but it doesn't create a value in itself. Whereas data, by combining, it's of course also the essence, the engine of, of our new economy, but in combining it, you recreate a new value, and which wasn't there before, and that's why data are, are such an exceptional uh, resource uh, uh, in itself, but also a value creator. So it is more than, much more than it is. First of all, not comparable to oil, and it is much more than oil. Mark Hannell is the CEO and founder of Figshare. This year, he writes, two out of three ain't bad. When will open research education make it through to those generating the research? So hi, Mark. Can you start your article in the, the State of Open Data report uh, with the line, academics want to be famous. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a great sentiment, really. Um, obviously, there is academics who are not... Uh, well, who tend to be a little bit introverted, but the the idea behind the current system within academia is that in order to advance your career, you have to have people know who you are. You have to be having some form of impact. Uh, what that impact is is a subjective question, but every academic, if they want to go on and win the Nobel Prize, they have to be famous in their field. 
And so it's a it's a perverse kind of setup, but it is something that we can kind of see as a baseline for all of academia that everybody needs this impact and needs to have this, um, well, needs to be famous, to, to put it in better words. So this year, Figshare added citation information for every DOI. Did that turn up any interesting results? Yeah, so that was one of the uh, most interesting things we found about um, the state open data, our inaugural one in 2016. We found that 78% of people valued a citation to data or to a non-traditional research output as much as they valued the citation to a paper. So that was really interesting to us. And actually in 2017, in the new report, we see that it's 77%. So it's pretty much uh, smack on the same again. So it's been confirmed. And um, as a result of that, we added citation counts to all of the objects across Figshare infrastructure. Um, I, as far as I know, we're the first people to do that. So it was really interesting to see what that data set uncovered. And if I'm very honest, we haven't dug deep enough into it. But what we have found so far is a really interesting thing happening around software. Uh, people have code and scripts that they're not getting uh, credit for in the traditional manner. And so, um, in fact, we've got kind of like 3 million files across all of the Figshare infrastructure, and um, about 10,000 of them are software or code. So a, a big amount, but relative to the whole corpus, not huge. But what we found was that eight out of the top 10 most cited items are software. So um, if you're trying to get more impact at your institution or if you're a researcher, who's generating software as one of your research outputs, uh, you should be making them available online. You should be uh, making them citable with a DOI because it seems like you could uh, be one of the people who gets a head start on getting all this extra impact. Um, so could you talk about some of the major trends the report uncovered? I know you, you go kind of through them um, in your article. Yeah, um, so there's a few different things. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of data in there, and this year we've... Um, created some visualizations with some researchers at Oxford University to allow you to slice and dice the data however you want to. So I'm sure we'll see more of these trends coming about when people ask more questions of the data that we haven't thought about yet. But some of the general ones, you know, the, the awareness level is there globally. Globally, it's starting to normalize. We're seeing kind of 80% of researchers are aware that open data is big for them. We're seeing kind of a spread across why people are making their data openly available. It is, you know, funders telling me to do so, publishers telling me to do so. But the main one is still I want to get more um, credit for all of my research. So this incentivization and, and being able to put alt metrics and citation counts on these research outputs is really helping uh, academics. But the, the one thing for me, and I mentioned this, as you say, in, in my section is, is the idea that a lot of the trends for where there were gaps were in the education space. And so there's a lot of academics out there who don't know what licenses to use. I think the number was 25% don't know to go to their library for help with this. Um, and they're the experts, they're the closest experts to the academics, the people within the library, uh, the IT department and the librarians who have um, thought about this and do know what the current mandates are and what's expected of all the researchers. Um, I think that that gap is something that needs to be filled globally. Uh, I mentioned it, uh, my, my title is two out of three ain't bad. You know, we've got the incentives, uh, we've got the policies coming from all of the funders globally, but there's this gap of how are we going to educate 
the actual researchers at the end level uh, to make all of their research outputs available for compliance, if nothing more. And, and definitely at the level of smaller research institutes. I mean, some of the bigger ones have a lot of staff, but how are we going to get this, uh, this message out to the um, researchers? We see ourselves as infrastructure, so I don't think it's our role, but we're definitely trying to support the institutions we're working with in doing that. At the end of the report, Figshare offers a set of guiding principles. Um, can you briefly talk about the most important changes you would like to see in the world of uh, open data? Yeah, so this is something that's come up this year as um, we're trying to be a lot more responsible with the way that we're working in the space and making sure that we're transparent with what our motives are and how this is going. And it kind of it all relates to what I'd say is the biggest buzzword in the open data, open research space this year, which is um, the idea that um, all research outputs should be fair. And when I say fair, it's, um, it's an acronym. It means findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable for humans and for machines. And this has been picked up globally as the Shangri-La of where we want to get to. And this all ties back into the idea that what are we doing this for? So putting files on the internet is one thing, but how are we going to build on top of the research that comes beforehand? And fair is a very simple way of saying this is what we should be aiming for. So open APIs, um, some of the points that I mentioned in the article can be argued for days. You know, the idea that all research output should be as open as possible, as closed as necessary. Um, no research should, where available, be have to be behind a paywall. That's, that's my own personal opinions, but if we're talking about building on top of the research that's gone beforehand, I think we have to be thinking a lot more computationally. I think we have to be a lot more transparent about the responsibilities of the systems that are being used in the academic workflows. And um, I think we have to take accountability for uh, the responsibilities of the different working groups. The idea that, as I mentioned just two minutes ago, the idea that education of the researchers is a big gap. And, you know, as, a, as a, uh, the private sector, me suggesting that maybe institutions should be picking up that gap is a provocative point, but I think it needs to be out there, and I think people need to be talking about this, and how do we get to the next step here? How do we get past just putting files on the internet? How do we make sure that uh, companies are acting responsibly, and how do we build on top of the research that's gone beforehand? So FAIR is something to aim for, and it's definitely something that we're thinking about in the future. Grace Baines is Director of Data and New Product Development for Open Research at the publisher Springer Nature. For this year's report, she contributed an article titled Collaboration and Concerted Action Are Key to Making Open Data Reality. Hi Grace, from your experience, what benefits does open access to research data hold for the scientific community? There are a lot of benefits. So I'm going to start with reproducibility, and this is somewhere that I think open access to data can really help. We know there are real concerns about reproducibility in the scientific community. Some have even called it a crisis. Can you recreate what you did and get comparable results? Can you recreate what somebody else did and get comparable results? And all too often, what we find is the answer is no. So a nature study found that 70% of researchers couldn't reproduce other people's work. 
and even more worrying, half of them couldn't reproduce their own. And when you think that up to $28 billion is spent in the US each year on biological research that may not be reproducible, not to mention concerns about serious issues like patient harm and fraud, this is a problem we have to tackle. And some studies have found that making data available, even if it's only on request, can make research more reproducible. Open access to research data isn't just altruistic or ethical. There are real benefits to researchers themselves, and I cite some of the evidence for this in the State of Open Data report. So firstly, productivity. Good data archiving can make a research project twice as productive in terms of publications. Researchers who make their data open are more likely to be cited by up to 50% in some fields. And it's not just individuals who benefit from that efficiency. So to give you just one example, the European Bioinformatics Institute, which manages data sets in the life sciences, has been estimated to bring efficiency savings of a billion pounds a year. And that's from an institute that costs just £47 million a year to run. And then I guess what kind of gets under my skin when it comes to open access to data is that not only does it make it more discoverable and reusable, it enables researchers to find and build on each other's work, which is how people have always made progress. You hear people talking about the building blocks of science. That's research data. And personally, one of my reasons for advocating open data is the knowledge that today, around the world, scientists are spending their talents, their intelligence, their precious time doing work that somebody has, else has already done. What a waste. So open access to data has the potential to make science more efficient, and I would imagine, if you were a scientist, more fulfilling. Um, you're part of the open research group at Springer Nature, and what are some of the things yourself and your team have done to ensure progress is made in this area? How do you ensure good data curation practices, for example? So in the State of Open Data reports, I outline five areas where we think publishers can make a difference, and those are advocacy, policy, credit for good data practice, solutions to help researchers share, and working with the wider research community. I'm really proud that we're active in all of them. Um, so to give you some examples, and I'll, I'll start with advocacy, actually. You can look back over more than 10 years of editorials in Nature Research Journals, raising awareness of the importance of reproducibility, calling for better access to data. And we've backed that up both with things like reproducibility checklists for authors and policy. So all of the Nature Research Journals and the BMC Journals now require a data availability statement in research articles. And that means that researchers know, readers know how they can access the data, and authors need to think about where to store it and whether they can make it openly available. Lots of journal policies can be confusing. So last year, we introduced standard journal data policies across Springer Nature. There are four simple types which should help authors understand what our journals require. And we release those under a Creative Commons license. We're working with the Research Data Alliance on a community standard. We also introduced a free help desk for authors to help them understand both our journal policy requirements, but also funder requirements, and how they can find a repository that's right for their research. We're really keen to work with community repositories, and we maintain a list that's publicly accessible of more than 80 recommended repositories. We're also actually helping researchers to deposit their data. So all of the BMC group journals 
now deposit supplementary information into Figshare when articles are published. This year, we introduced a new support service, um, actually also in partnership with Figshare, which enables authors to share their research data more efficiently. So we help them to deposit their data, we help them to write data availability statements, and our data editors also provide curation support to help make that data more discoverable, more citable. Data publishing is a really important way to provide credit for good data practice. So we publish the research data journal, Scientific Data. We've also recently introduced a new article type, a data note in BMC Research Notes. So these are just some of the areas that we're active in helping encourage open data and good data curation practice. So what were the main positives you took away from the surveys carried out for this report? Well, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about from this year's reports. Firstly, that the survey respondents really state such clear motivations to share data, the value that they see in data citations. 70% of respondents to the survey said they value a data citation as much as a citation to an article. And that really gives us hope that we can start to transform how the research community values data outputs um, and, and makes them feel comparable to articles as a research output. Another interesting and encouraging area was willingness to both share data and to use others' data. And, and in both cases, 80% of, of people said that they were willing either to, to use other people's data or to share their own. And the values of, of this report is that it's longitudinal, so we understand how behaviour changes over time and attitudes change over time. That's one area where we really saw a difference this year. So that was up 10% on the 2016 results. I guess my, my big takeaway is that researchers want more open access to data, more access to data, both their own and that of other researchers. And our job now is to help them share and help them share more and make that easier to find. And do you think uh, data protocols and standards should be the same across government bodies, institutions, funders and publishers? You know, what does the report tell us about attitudes to open, da um, open data in these areas? So, to, I mean, to answer your first question, do I think data protocols and standards should be the same? My answer would be yes and no. Um, so, yes, whenever we can make things simple common, easy to understand, easy to follow, that has to help with encouraging people to share more and not have to work out whether something is different from one journal to the next, whether they're compliant with, with multiple funders by following the same good practice. There I found it interesting in the report and in the survey that 50% of respondents were in favour of national mandates on open data. And while that's shifted a little bit towards neutrality this year in this year's study compared to last year, there's still strong support for national mandates and funders to play a strong role in encouraging good data practice. It's also interesting that so many researchers look, for, look to a publisher's website to find more information for resources, and that really tells me that publishers both have a role to play in, in providing that information, but also working together to try and simplify across the publishing community our data policies and making sure that they help researchers comply, for example, with funder policies. Where I would say no in terms of making policies um, standard and the same is 
that different areas, different subject areas will inevitably need different standards that work for that field. So chemist is producing quite different data to a neuroscientist or a social scientist. In some cases, the data formats will be the same. In some cases, they will be very different and specialist. And above all, sharing data has to be about helping other researchers who need and want your data to be able to use it. So there, I think it's really important to work with organizations like CoData and the Research Data Alliance, both of whom are working on field-specific standards as well as community standards. But on things like metadata standards, the more commonality we can have, the better. It makes it more interoperable across fields, easier to find, more machine-readable. It makes it possible for somebody working in ecology to find and use economist data and vice versa. So there are many benefits to common protocols and standards where they make sense. And how do you foresee attitudes to open data changing across the world? I've worked in open access for close on to 15 years now and I've heard a lot about conversation about open access in that time and a growing discussion about open data. I've never known more discussion about open data than I've heard this year at every level from governments to funders to researchers to libraries. It makes me really optimistic. It makes me believe that we can make open data the new normal and that we can accelerate the transition towards that. I think the attitudes are there. It's now about how we put into place the actions, the infrastructure, the funding to make open data and good research data practice a reality. Head online to check out this year's The State of Open Data report. Perhaps you have unique perspectives and opinions about open data that you would like to share with us. Tweet us using the State of Open Data hashtag and let us know what you're thinking. For those of you that don't know, Digital Science is a technology company serving the needs of scientific and research communities at the laboratory bench or in a research setting. We invest in and incubate scientific software companies that simplify the research cycle, making more time for discovery. Our portfolio companies include a host of leading and admired brands like Altmetric, Symplectic and Figshare. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at DigitalSci and stay tuned for future interviews, our latest news and much more. From Digital Science, I'm Carmen Shepard.